Hey, I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And welcome to Status Macabre. Hey guys, we have an awesome show for you today. I'm super excited. Yeah, today is the second episode of the Boat Ramp Mystery, a.k.a. Where the Hell Did My Mistress Go? So I, I like that title. I know, isn't it awesome? But um, <laughs> So how's it been going? Really good. We've had a nice little break. We did. Did a little bit of traveling. Yeah. Did a little bit of research. Oh yeah, we had a lot of research. More to come later. Yeah, you guys, I, I don't want to spill it, but I think we did. We on our Instagram. Shared a little bit of information. And yeah, on Facebook, yeah. we said uh, we're, we were going to have a, a a graveyard episode, which comes out in about a week. Yep. Um, so it's a little mini status. So super excited about that. Um, but first, we wanted to wrap up, you know, the boat rate mystery and uh, get back to Heather Elvis. I don't know that we have any other business going on. I know we're going to have some merch soon yes oh my gosh super yes. exciting we're merch we're, we're getting um, some merchandise together um but we can we can talk about that a little bit later mm-hmm. um i do i do have one little bit of business that i want to mention this is really yeah. just a disclaimer um listener discretion advice so not all material and content in this podcast is suitable for children and of course some adults yeah so don't be getting all pissed off when we cuss and say bad words um if you don't like us turn us off um, we've got a couple of, of less uh, explicit episodes coming out, so you can tune back in. But um, we'll we'll try to keep it, you know, light. nice, yeah. light today. And, and I will say today, there's no clinking of of the mimosas. Oh yeah, um, we're taking a break. We're we're taking a break. <laughs> we had a had a great time in Key West, and I know for yeah. me, I'll, I've been drinking water for the last two days. Same, same, same. We're gonna clink. That's our clink. water. That's our ice water. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's do it. So where we left off uh, last week, we had a lot of circumstantial evidence surrounding Heather's disappearance, um, and it seems to be piling up against Sydney more. And uh, remember that Tammy has blown her top about Sydney having an affair, and he's agreed to be handcuffed to the bed at night. And he doesn't have his phone. So Tammy is basically telling him what, where, when, and how. How high to jump and when to uh, clearly go to bed because I'm going to handcuff you. This just baffles me. I know. It, it makes no sense. But um, So Sydney, after having lied about Heather, um, calling Heather from the payphone, comes clean saying he called Heather to tell her to leave him alone. And basically he was saying... You know, she's leaving notes on my car, so I'm going to call her from this payphone at the Kangaroo gas station um, and let her know I don't appreciate it. When, mind you, they had two cell phones in their Mm -hmm. truck. But you know what? I digress. So um, police have also discovered that Sydney visited a Walmart close to the payphone right before. um, And he bought a cigar and a pregnancy test. We still don't know who that test is for exactly. We are presuming Heather, since she's gained a little bit of weight, and her bra size has gone from an A to a C cup at a couple of months, so that's, like, super quick. So I can see, you know, I can understand the pregnancy test, given all of the information that we've discussed, everything right. that I've learned. The cigar. I said this 
several times. I know I've said it earlier today. Yeah. And I don't understand the cigar. Now, if I'm a, who I am now, if I'm a juror or if I'm just listening like I am now, I'm thinking he's celebrating something. Correct. Yeah. And that, you know, it kind of gives a little bit of credence to something that Tammy says a little bit later, um, which we'll bring back up. But, you know, I, I, I also don't know if maybe it was for the illusion of I'm excited. Because I, like I said, I think there was some thought put into this plan oh, of kidnapping. But it may have been right. It looks like something oh, I'm celebrating, man. but maybe not. So, so yeah. Anyway, well, like I said, it gives a little bit of credence to something that Tammy says later, which you know we'll we'll circle back around to. Uh, so anyway, let's let's take a quick gander at the timeline of events thus far to recap because. So we move forward, it gets a little confusing when we start introducing Heather, Sydney's, and Tammy's cell phone move movements. So on the dis um, evening of December 17th, Heather has her date with Stephen Chiraldi, and he drops her back off at her apartment at 1.15 a.m. Oh, remember, Heather lives in Myrtle Beach. So just in case folks didn't remember. Um, meanwhile, Sydney is seen on camera pulling into a handicap space at the Walmart and buys the pregnancy test and a cigar at 1.12 a.m. Was he handicapped? Hell no, <laughs> which don't get me started, right? I can't stand that shit. But anyway, we later learn that Tammy is actually with Sydney the whole time. So she was in the truck. Uh, they had gone out for the evening and had sex in multiple locations in Myrtle gross. Beach. I know, right? And didn't get home until 3 a.m. So law enforcement and prosecutors will surmise that's when the kidnapping plan was actually hatched, was this time of bonding together and having sex. So I guess in between thrust, maybe they were like, okay, let's do this. Oh, no, 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 let's do that. I don't know when oh. that happened. But anyway, didn't mean to be graphic. I take back when I said we'll keep it light. <laughs> so, anyway, so during this time, we learn that the Moors also make a withdrawal of $5,000. That's so, uh, You think? So just, you know, always keep this kind of information in the back of your head, guys. If somebody withdraws $5,000, doesn't give any reason as to why they did that, and, uh, you know, to me, it's going to probably be something a little devious. But anyway... Um, then at 1.35 a.m. in the morning of December 18th, Sydney makes a call to Heather from the payphone at the Kangaroo gas station. Sydney doesn't actually park in the parking lot of the gas station. He parks across the street on Seaboard Street because, I mean, in my head, he's just trying to cover his tracks. Right. That was about to say. So, yeah. So we think clearly he's covering his tracks. Well, yeah. Unless, I mean, why wouldn't you what just pull his, into the parking lot? What was his, did, I mean, did they even too soon probably to ask that question but did that even come up like what was his excuse what was his reason oh there is no reason i mean in the interview i can see it now why did you park across the street oh uh, i don't <laughs> well uh, I, I mean what are you gonna say i, I right? feel like this is this it's is horrible. a train wreck it is so the last the call lasts for four minutes and 53 seconds so i mean there is a good bit of conversation between heather and sydney on this payphone and so he finally admits to calling her later, but, you know, again, he's telling cops, yeah, the reason I called her was to tell her to leave me alone. So 
Heather then makes a call to Brianna, which is her best friend, for those of you that are just joining us, at 1.44 a.m. from her apartment to tell Brianna that Sydney just called to say he misses her and wants to see her. That call lasts about two minutes and 20 seconds. Now, why would you, if you were Heather, call your friend and say, oh my gosh, if that shit didn't happen? Oh yeah, no, no agree. I, I completely agree with you. I don't I don't think Heather was one to make up shit and then just yeah. for attention. She did not strike me as that kind of girl. Yeah. She was a very straightforward kind of person. So at 2.29 a.m., Heather calls the payphone back but doesn't get an answer. So she then repeatedly calls nine times with no one answering, with the last call being made at 3.05. And I just got chill bumps Mm -hmm. because it's just crazy to me. This whole thing is crazy. Now, for you guys that don't know what a payphone is, which I, I feel certain most of you do, but you can't leave a message on a payphone. So someone calling nine times over and over and over and over, in my opinion, it just sounds like the caller's super desperate panicky they just have to they feel like they've got to get in touch with somebody yeah Yeah. so all right so that's kind of where we left off from the last episode new information that we've not shared yet um around 2:42 to 2:56 a.m heather's phone travels down the street from her apartment to um what is called longbeard's bar and restaurant in Carolina Forest. So that that is actually closed now, um, but she travels there. It's approximately 2.3 miles from her apartment on River Oaks Drive in Myrtle's Inlet. And then that's, you know, Myrtle Beach area. At 2.57 a.m., Heather then heads to Augusta Plantation Drive, which is right down the street, and then turns around. She goes back to Long Beards in Carolina Forest at 3.01 a.m. And then from 3.02 to 3.15 a.m., her phone stays at the Long Beards bar and restaurant parking lot. It's almost like she can't figure out where to go. She's got so much on her mind. Maybe she maybe she thought she was pregnant and she just, you know, right. truly well, was like, I'm struggling. I need your help. We got to figure out what to do. But it kind of, to me, it says, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, I talked to this guy in the cell phone. I mean, on the payphone. Mm-hmm. I'm on my cell phone. I'm thinking I'm going to meet and I'm waiting for him to tell me where to go. Is it Longbeards? Because apparently, I guess he was kind of a, a frequenter um, to go there, you know, and she didn't live far from there. So maybe, okay, we're going to meet at this parking lot or, you know, hey, we're going to meet down the street here. Mm-hmm. So she's just kind of floating between locations to find out where in the hell he's asking or going to ask her to meet. I can't imagine being her. I know. At that time. Right. And yeah, it's just, it's, I'm sure it's just in her mind. She's like, okay, just tell me where to go. So at 3:16 AM, Heather's cell phone attempts to call Sydney's cell phone for the first time immediately as she's leaving lawn beards, but there is no answer. So it goes to voicemail. Again, because she was trying from the payphone earlier, right? She was trying to call the payphone. Right, exactly. Now she's actually trying to call his cell phone. No, yeah. Got it. All right. Didn't get an answer. I'm, screw it. I'm calling his cell phone. Right. He said his he was leaving his wife. He wants to see me. I'm calling the cell phone. Surely he's going to take his cell phone with him. You'd think. But remember, Tammy also has his cell phone. Yeah. So, you know, be, but notes to her, Tammy's still got it. 
Anyway, so at 3.16 to 3.19 a.m., Heather's phone heads back to her apartment. And so we, we reference Heather's phone only because we can't be sure that Heather actually had her phone. I mean, hell, something could have happened to her at Longbeard's. We have no idea. So at 3.17 a.m., Heather again attempts to call Sydney's cell phone, and it was actually answered. The call duration is four minutes and 15 seconds. Heather's phone is still at her home at this point, and Sydney's phone is at his house. So they're both in their respective places. Prosecution heavily implied that it could have been Tammy Moore Heather was talking to. And as Sydney has now admitted to the pain phone call, um, you know, to stop calling, it no longer seems that he is claiming this particular conversation with Heather. So he's like, right. I didn't talk to her. So it's like, pick one or the other, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, at 319 to 324, Heather's phone remains at her residence. So she she's at her house for a good little bit. But then at 325 a.m. to 337, Heather's phone moves from her re- residence River Oaks to Peachtree Boat Landing. I just want to say, stop, don't go, just go home. Right. 3.36 a.m., a private video surveillance camera captures a long, a long, <laughs> I got ahead of myself, a dark-colored Ford F-150 coming from the direction of the Mora home and heading towards the boat landing. The camera is approximately 1.7 miles from Sydney and Tammy's residence. And that's on Mill Pond Road. So there's only one way, unless you're going to go around your elbow to get to your ass from the Moore's residence to Peachtree Landing. And if you recall, remember when we took our field trip, Mm -hmm. you you wouldn't have been able to. I mean, it would have been like it's like it's it's around your butthole to get back to your elbow if you went the other way. It's as the bird flies. It's going to be 1.7 miles to the Peachtree or Peachtree boat landing, and it is literally a direct shot, and almost. I, yeah, and I, I, I was, I'm sitting here trying to think. Like, I don't know. I mean, from his, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's out of the Moore's driveway to take to right to the stop sign. Yep. Right down to the to the landing. To the landing. It is, it's super. And so I guess if you were to go take that curve where we didn't go straight out and go all the way around. Yeah, correct. You would have had to go all the way around that would have down Peachtree Road. It would have been, exactly. So it yeah. just doesn't make sense. So so they go down Mills Pond Road and this residence um, captures, you know, an, a dark F-150 coming down the road, which is, you know, the description of Sydney's truck. So from 3.38 a.m., Heather's phone attempts to call Sydney's phone, but there is no answer. Heather's phone is now at the boat landing. Calls are attempted from Heather's phone to Sydney's phone again at 3.39 and then at 3.39 and 46 seconds. So that's right. That's kind of crazy to me because we know how quick of a drive that is. It is. So very who's, quick. Using, his, who's using her phone to call Sydney's phone? Well, I, I don't know. It could be... Heather, I mean, if she went to her residence and then, I mean, if she had not gone back to her residence and then to the boat landing, I would question to think, okay, maybe she's not in the car. Okay, so we know then at 316 to 319, she's at her house. She's at her house. Right. But then she she takes off at 325 to 327. So she's not at the landing yet by the when he leaves. 
because she's several she's several miles away from the landing. Right. So she okay. actually gets to the the actual the actual boat landing at 3:39. Got it. So at 3:39, a business video surveillance located a mile from the first camera and closer to Peachtree Landing captures the same vehicle still proceeding in the direction of the boat landing. So the video surveillance of this particular business um, of the vehicle was sent to the FBI in Quantico and to the South Carolina Highway Patrol's multidisciplinary accident investigation team with a request to identify the vehicle. The agencies both send back reports confirming that the truck is a dark 2013 or 2014 Ford F-150 with a silver toolbox in the bed, a moonroof, silver rims, and high-end bulbs in the headlights. All of this, which coincidentally fits the description of Sydney's truck. So really what we have here with this, with the last couple of several minutes is we have um, Heather, it looks like, heading back or heading to the landing. But we also have what appears to be Sydney's truck driving from his house to, to the, the landing, landing at the same time. At, right. At, right, at pretty much the exact same time. And two separate surveillance cameras. They've caught him on both roads. Right, both so, Mill Pond yeah. and Peachtree. Exactly. Right, so he didn't stop and take a left to, to right. go to, I don't know, Applebee's or whatever you're going to do at 3 o'clock in the morning. I got nothing in Myrtle Beach. But, <laughs> Applebee's. But, but he's he's right. on his way down there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no way. And we've seen this route. We drove this route. Yep. There's nothing else down there. This yeah, there's residences, but yeah. into the water. Exactly. Or small little tiny trailer park. Yep. So we're so yeah, okay. So then you've got um, Heather's phone attempts to call Sydney again, and that's at 3:41. So at 3:42, Heather's cell phone data activity ends. So what does that mean? So it. It is turned off. It's turned off. There is absolutely no data and no activity after 3.41. At 3.42, it's zilch. Nothing, never heard from Heather again. So they again. were smart enough to break it, destroy it, turn right. it off, whatever they did. Yep. So then at 3.45, the same business surveillance camera captures the truck coming from the direction of the boat landing and heading back towards the Moore residence. The camera is approximately 1.2 miles from the landing near Highway 814, which, if you remember, Carrie, the Moore's house at the very end mm -hmm. of Highway 814 is that secondary Highway 814. Mm -hmm. And the boat landing, if Heather is parked up against the railing, and if you guys go and take a, a, a gander at our Facebook and we have it on our uh, satisfacob.com. Yes. And on the Instagram and fa or, or I said Facebook already. But if you look at those pictures, Heather's car was taking up multiple um, parking spaces. About where you were parked. So if you look at the, where the black car is. But it was parked sideways. But hers would have, Heather's would have been more parallel. It was, yes. To the water. Right. Um, but. We she's... didn't want to block up the entire right. area when we were down there. Yeah, so if you imagine she's sitting there in the dark, or she could be standing it's outside. I mean, cold. it's cold. It's like December. 
and she's sitting there in her car. She sees Sydney's truck come up. She gets out. She locks her car door and, you know, essentially takes her phone and her purse, locks the car door, and jumps in Sydney's truck. He could have automatically, or Tammy, or somebody, whoever was there at the landing, snatched her phone. And there would have been no way for, for you know, Heather to do like any type of three point turn or anything to actually yeah. get out. I mean, she probably was essentially blocked in by this truck because the parking lot is so small guys and the truck, you know, sitting in front of her, she's parked parallel. I mean, you, it would have been an awkward, okay. You know, when you get stuck in the parking lot, you know, at the Walmart, you're, you know, having people, you know, point their hands, you know, hey, can I move in there? Hey, you're going to back up. Like, it would have been just like it's an awkward. Tiny. Yeah, there would have been no way. So And there really was only, there was, when you come down, the road itself takes you to the dead ends, into the boat ramp, into the water. You have to kind of work a little to the right yeah. to go into. But that still is one, maybe two cars and get through there. The yeah. point is, you can block that with a with a Honda. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. It's not, it's not a very big spot. Yeah. So, um, then the private residence at 346 captures the vehicle headed from the boat landing towards the Moore residence. So once again, you've got two, um, cameras capturing Sydney's truck going from the boat landing back to the house. So there was no more communications until 4:37 AM when there was a conversation between Sydney and Tammy Moore, which prosecutors say was the first in months between the two phones, in which Tammy asked Sydney to bring her orange juice and pot stickers. Okay, so I got several issues, questions here. Oh, I know. <laughs> Lay them on me. going to need some pot stickers and orange OJ at 4.30 in the morning? <laughs> I digress. I we don't we don't I, have to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, those two don't even really go together, no. do they? But then, but then, we're sure, or I guess maybe the uh, the, the prosecution is sure, right? That mm -hmm. Tammy was home at this time. Well, let's just say her phone was home. And what's even more eerie and so telling is the fact that Tammy has had Sydney's phone yeah. since. What November? But now all of a sudden, you can have your phone back. Here, you can have your phone back. And, when we nobody can find Heather. What exactly? And she's no longer a threat to me. And by the way, go get me some freaking pod stickers and some orange I hate juice. This chick. <laughs> so if that does not tell you something, well, I don't know. I mean, slapping you in the face isn't either. I mean, so looking at the timeline, at, you know, 3:46, the private residence now yeah. um, is picking up the vehicle heading back right? right and then at 437 so we're looking at almost an hour later yeah. where she clearly could have been dropped back off at the house oh agreed agreed there's so much room here to i mean chris and i have gone over so many different scenarios right uh that i mean there's just there's just so much gray here yeah agreed so it was in that nearly hour gap that when that's when prosecutors say Elvis went missing from the Peachtree Landing area. So, I mean, poor Heather has just disappeared yeah. into thin air and we got no clue where she's at. My guess is in Sydney's truck, but, you know, that's 
that's me. So then on December 19th, that's when, you know, police locate Heather's car. Her dad comes, takes it away, um, puts it, you know, back at his house and they start searching. So on the 20th, the boat landing is searched by police and diving crews. Um, the Coastal Carolina University team um, actually had a, a scanner that did an ultras ultrasound like scan of the riverbed in the Winya Bay and did not find anything. So uh, what I want to bring up here is that, um, again, I know you guys um, may have gone to our website and Facebook and there's a video out there of the landing. What you'll see is that the water was so very still. It's so very still. And there were a lot of theories that I found on Reddit and like, you know, just people talking in comments on Facebook that, you know, alligators ate her. And I, I just, I don't think so. There was no current. There's nothing. I think there would have been something a day. I still think there would have been something even a day or two later. Right. I just don't see, yeah. you know, uh, there were no alligators that far upstream, I don't think. It's just and there not was that... no way she could have gotten. She couldn't. She wasn't going to float. Yeah, that absolutely far because not. Right. It was. It's dead. It's that... stagnant. I mean, I don't want right. to say stagnant, right? Because, but it, there was no current. Yeah, there's nothing. It, there's no current. I think there's a video, a video of that. Yes. And the and the water's actually even really high when we went because yeah. in our area we had had several weeks of rain, um, and yeah, there's. I just don't see, yeah, any alligators. I don't see any Eventually, her floating anywhere. Yeah. I just don't, yeah, I just don't see it. Heck, even if something happened, I mean, she wouldn't have bubbled up at the top in a, right. barely a day. Uh, agreed. Or two days, right? So then on December 21st, um, a reward of $1,000 is established for any information um, leading to, you know, finding her or about her disappearance. And then on the December 24th, they increase that reward to $10,000. So on December 28th, a search organized to look for Heather Elvis located human remains. Why is it taking so long? I know. I, I don't know. But they find remains of a male near Tidewater Road, which, uh, you know, it's kind of it's sad because I'm sure they see the remains and they're like, oh, hey, we found remains. But then only to find out that it's not. It's not Heather, not that her parents were, you know, hoping that those were her, her remains, but, you know, it, it probably gives them a little bit of hope, hope, which is, yeah, gosh. it's kind of, it's kind of sad, but so did, did they ever, were they ever able to identify who those remains were? That you it it was a man. Um, yeah, there was a link, um, but he was like a 21 year old guy. He was super young. Oh. Um, and he had been missing for some time and they, uh, but they had been there for years and it, the bones were like scattered across a hundred, hundred yards in a wooded area. Oh, so, well, hopefully there's so I'm one sure, family that has some closure. Exactly. But definitely, I think animal probably yeah. scattered the bones. Um, then on December 31st, Heather Elvis's father posts a super sorrowful, did I say that right? Okay, it just didn't sound right. It didn't come right off my lips. Sorrowful. It's Sorrowful? Not, it's not a, a word that I have ever <laughs> I, said, so I, I don't it's know. It's when I got, I've, I was super, you that know, was saying it right I felt literature when How I about was this? typing. It was a very sad. It was super sad, y'all. New Year's Eve message. It was a New Year's Eve message on, on the Facebook page dedicated to finding his daughter. Um, and then they actually increased the reward to $20,000. So in his message, and I'm just going to read it. It, it, it's worth reading. It's really sad. 
Um, New Year's Eve, surrounded by darkness, I am afraid of what I do not know. I search for the light to get away from the darkness that smothers me so. I stand here with me arms wide open, waiting for you to come back home, waiting for you to come back to me, the one you call daddy. You're nowhere to be found. You're lost somewhere out there, and I am here in plain sight, yet I am just as lost. I search everywhere. I can hear your voice in my head. I close my eyes, and there you are. I reach out into the darkness, but find only the void left behind. I cry for your safety with each breath as I speak to God, and I remember the times you spoke to him too. I nap if I can, but with the phones beside my head. I have a little more of my soul drained each hour you are not here, and my heart is shredded from worry and fear. I look now under the Christmas tree where it should be empty, but presents you asked for are still there wrapped and waiting to bring a smile to your face. Yes, it is New Year's Eve for most, but this year will not end or move forward for me as long as you are not here to show me what the new year will bring. So while those around me celebrate and bring in the new year, I will shred, shed several more tears and only think of you and finding you as fast as I can. Heather, show me how to find you. Show me how to live again. Please, please, God, please, I can no longer do this. Oh, that's terrible. And then I have chill bumps <laughs> everywhere. Oh my gosh. It's so horrible. So as you can my see, eyes up. I'm like, oh my God. So as you can see, yeah, her family is super torn up and it's just it's devastating. Um, you have a whole community here attempting to to find Heather. There are vigils. There are search parties and, and, you know, flyers everywhere. So on January 3rd, 2014, the reward for information on the case is increased to $25,000. The Elvis family, friends, and the Tilted Kilt corporate offices contributed to the funds. Tilted Kilt also offered all their digital billboard advertising space to share the missing posters. Oh, that's good. That's cool. Yeah. In the meantime... We got Tammy and Sydney. They're Living going their on. Uh, yeah, they're going on about their lives as if, you know, nothing happened. They actually go and take a uh, Disney trip where Sydney participates in a half marathon. So, you know, goody for them. Um, and then on January 16th, 2014, which this date is actually later disputed by Tammy's sister, Ashley and Tammy. Um, Sydney gets a tattoo of Tammy's name like just above his pelvis and we'll post this on our Facebook and um, all our social media sites but I'm telling Fine. you what guys it's it's disgusting and it's really a bad tattoo job if you ask me but you know and this is just days after Heather's gone missing and I guess it's just a claim him um, that is Tammy's Manipula manipulation right oh there. absolutely She's, it's control that's all Tammy it is it's, it's, it's sickening it oh it's pathetic it's gross I hope you know if if you don't learn anything at least learn to stand up for yourself and don't let anybody manipulate and control you like this is right this is emotional abuse absolutely Probably some physical abuse in there too I would imagine uh well he, being handcuffed to the bed <laughs> he allowed it though I mean <laughs> I mean Oh, anyway, so January 20th, um, the reward again increases and now it's up to $30,000 on January 30th. According to Ori police, 52 year old William Christopher B 
Barrett, which is actually a friend of Heather's dad, posted misleading information on a social media site about the disappearance, creating a community reaction that diverted investigating officers. So it, it's kind of messed up because you've got every I mean, person in the community trying to probably help. And I, I think this guy clearly was just pissed off. He wanted to have the police go in a certain direction, I guess. And, and, and I'm not sure exactly what he posted because it didn't um, say, but it was just kind of like, you know, you, dumb. You, it was dumb and, you know, they called him out. So police also believe he questioned witnesses as he tried to conduct a separate investigation and led an independent search. So it was just... The only thing he did, likely, is just delay right. or mislead. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't intentional. Yeah. But as a family member or as a friend, I, I think the worst thing that I would be able to, that I could do is sit at home and wait for nothing. Like that would be terrible. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it, based off of my understanding, he, um, he uncovered, he uncovered potential, potential evidence and it, it just wasn't reported immediately to law enforcement because I think he thought he was going to come in and save the day. I don't know, but Here's your he's stupid. And then Garrett Ryan Starnes of 25, he's 25 years old. He's also facing an obstruction of justice charge for fabricated misleading information regarding the disappearance of Heather Elvis and then relayed the false information to law enforcement. So again, you've got all these and flipping this guy, idiots. This guy has no relation to anybody, right? right? It's just, just like, hey, let me just... Random dude that just jumps in. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, shit like this and things like this, people... The crazies crawl out of the woodwork. I wish we knew some police officers we could ask. I know. Anyway, so the two um, actually bonded out and the charges were later dropped. Okay. But, um, you know, uh, to add to the fun, police decide they're going to search the Moore's truck in an effort to find evidence that Heather was um, actually indeed in the truck. So they they look at the truck um, and really they don't find anything. Well, I mean it's been a whole it's been six weeks later, right? Right. So of course they're not gonna find anything. Right. I'm if burn that bitch in the woods somewhere. I'm like I don't know. Somebody <laughs> stole it. Seventy <laughs> seventy five whatever seven hundred fifty miles away there'd be a truck burning the woods. Hey, that's fair. I I can't say that I would have thought so of that. So kudos but... to them for hanging on to it. Right. So on April, or excuse me, February 4th, social media presence in this case, at this time, y'all, was over the top. I mean, super crazy. Between Tammy's big ass mouth, putting stuff out there on Facebook, the community attempting to try and help. Obviously, you've got idiots, you know, coming out of the woodwork to tell people and police stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, It wasn't a surprise when the two families started bickering back and forth. So you've got the Elvis family, you've got the Moore family. Just at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. Tammy complains on Facebook that Heather's family is harassing her and her family because her husband decided to have an affair with a psycho and complained about harassment on her Facebook page. And then she's threatening to file charges, quote, against everyone we possibly can, end quote. I mean, this bitch is, she sues anybody and everybody, anyone. A- anyway, so I she's mean, a, it's not a surprise. She's a real piece of work. I know, and she a gem. Just a gem. She's just a she's gem. A treasure. Bless her heart. To make matters worse, you know, you've got the deranged idiots, you know, making threats 
um, and giving false information. Terry Elvis told police he was exiting his business on Howard Avenue at the Market Common when he saw a black two-door Jeep Wrangler in the parking lot behind the complex. According to a report from the Myrtle Beach Police Department, the vehicle was said to have a black rag top with a tubular bumper, blacked out rims, and was raised up higher than standard height. The passenger drives by screaming out to Terry Elvis, quote, we already have Heather, Morgan is next, end quote. Now, who and why in the F would you do that? Give me, I mean. I feel like there's maybe some. I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, I, I don't accusing know clearly. accusing the Mora family of. of but of, this seems like it could right. potentially be made up. You think, but oh, I, from Terry's part? I, I don't. That's I mean, a good. Yeah, that, that, that's what I think right now. And, you know, I haven't done the research that you have done on mm-hmm. this, but thinking, I'm putting myself in the the Heather Elvis's family side, right? Just what that feels like. And he and wants if, attention to you. Well, I don't, I don't, maybe not attention like about me, but Hey, I want the police to know how crazy these people are. Oh yeah. That's and fair. I, I believe they did it. Yeah. And there may be some weird circumstantial evidence. So I'm going to create, and I'm using air quotes here, right? Yeah. A little bit of drama to, to put, to stir attention up attention. Yeah. Agreed. Them, because maybe, Oh, I haven't heard anything in a while. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're right. It's we're now in that February. Would be some shit I would do. Yeah. Let me just say that. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Hey, it, I mean, we're in February and we're not any closer to finding yeah. Heather. So I, yeah, absolutely. It's slipping away. It feels like right now. Oh yeah. I mean, with the longer, you know, time goes and it, it's, you know, it's like sand in your hands. It's going yeah. to fall through. Eventually you're not going to be left with Jack. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of sad. So on February 6th, Sydney Moore files a report with the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office stating that while traveling with his wife and kids on Ocean Highway near Georgetown at around 7 p.m., a truck sped up behind them and allegedly fired shots from an automatic fire. Sydney then files another report on February 20th and actually goes to the hospital claiming that two men pointed a shotgun at him on North Kings Highway around 1.30 a.m. Okay, well, if I think the other one was made up, this one surely is made up. Well, yeah, and I'm like, okay, so they pointed a gun at you? Uh, let me go to the hospital. And I just want to say... <laughs> I get calling the cops, right? Gonna, but why are you going to the hospital? Right. I mean, unless you're on We're, vacation, but nothing good, I'm going to tell you like my grandma told me, nothing good happens after midnight. Take your ass home. And if you're 30-something years old... <laughs> You got no business. Well, it, with your kids, with your kids at 1:30 in the morning, driving around. Well, you know. Come on, people. Maybe you're going head. to. Well, they were going to get some pot stickers and orange juice. Come I don't on. know. Tim, Tim sent the entire family out for freaking pot stickers and my damn pot stickers orange and orange juice. juice. So while police and volunteers continue to search for Heather, the circumstantial evidence is pointing to Sydney and Tammy, as you guys can see. Police execute a search warrant on Tim, Timmy. Tammy and Sydney's house. They're looking to take the, like, actually take in the F-150. And they're searching for Heather's keys, wallet, purse, and a white watch that Heather was wearing the night she disappeared. Dude, these police officers. They are also looking to take all recording devices, which consisted of surveillance cameras and DVRs for the cameras. So this... This is kind of where it gets interesting. Not that it wasn't interesting before, but it's like, what what did you guys uncover? 
So on February 21st, upon entry of the house, they enter the Moore family's, you know, bedroom. They find the family, the entire family, asleep in the master bedroom of the house. So we've got kids, kids ages 8, 12, and 14, piled up in the master bedroom with Tammy and Sydney. Now, I'm just going to, you know, 8 years old, I get eight years old, you know, I get my, my little one. She likes to crawl in bed. She's 10, but at 12 and 14, I can tell you what my 14 year old is not coming to crawl in bed with me. I mean, in the morning and pass out. I'm not bashing anybody whose kid does that, but I'm just like at 14 years old, I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm not sure what goes on there. Clearly there's something not right Right. with this family. Absolutely. The fact that they have all, and I bet they weren't, I don't know, you tell me, were they all in the bed or do they have yeah. sleeping bags on the floor? Like they all camp out. It's that, well, okay, that's fair. That's a fair point. I think it was a big king size bed, but um, it, it said they were all asleep in the master bedroom. So I don't know. Maybe they were all piled up on the bed. And I, you know, I, I figure at 14, your kids are pretty decent size. I know mine is. And my, I mean, I'm thinking about my, my three brothers at 14. I, right? I mean, it would. Two of them now would take up an account <laughs> Right. Anyway, I just I found that odd. But anyway, so the police observed firearms. Two long guns were leaning against the wall, while a subcompact pistol rested on the nightstand beside the bed. The home is in absolute disarray and it is completely unsanitary. Quote, the kitchen had some sort of meat lying atop the kitchen island that had aged for some time. Cooked potatoes were left on the countertop, which had begun to mold. Trash was left about the countertops and floors. Okay, I, I, End quote. I, I want to say. And that is what a report says. Who the hell says atop and, and left about, but whatever. But <laughs> Somebody who's extremely literary. Right. Don't be bashing people's vocabulary. Potatoes, if they're going to be Ugh, molded. Mold? Ugh, gross. Meat? What is that, a week? Oh, definitely. At least seven, let's just say it's five to seven days for a smidge of mold. Well, you have a rancid smell of meat. I mean, think about it. That's yeah. freaking disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, the report also detailed the conditions of the children's bedrooms, which it says contained trash, clothes, and toys scattered everywhere. The backyard area was covered in animal feces. And clearly these people were like just super freaking nasty. Just disgusting. So they actually forwarded the case to the Department of Social Services. On the same day, Tammy and Sydney were both arrested and booked at the J. Rubin Long Detention Center and charged in separate bond hearings on obstruction of justice and two counts of indecent exposure, where they had exposed themselves in public between the dates of December 17th and December 18th at 1325 Celebrity Circle and in Conway at Atlantic Avenue and Century Circle, respectively. So we're in February. Yes. And we're over two months away. Yes. And now they're trying to drum up some crappy charges. This goes. To... You got to get them on something. Well, th- clearly, that's what that's what I literally what I was about to say. Yeah. They're getting them on some bullshit charges. Yep. Just to put them in custody. Exactly. When clearly they were happier than 
pigs in their own shit and they should have <laughs> left them alone until they were able to come up with some some ba- I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I agree, but you know, you you've got a a very high profile case. And I can imagine, you know, we've discussed some of the mistakes that were made, you know. Oh yeah, in the first episode. In yeah. in the first episode, there's a little there's some more mistakes. So, you know, there's probably a lot of pressure to get them on something. And there's so many. Myrtle Beach is not a big town. It really isn't. And so, despite the tourism and, you know, fucks, I said fucks, folks coming and going. They're probably fucks. But but coming and going, I mean, think about. So glad you weren't at like a work call. You know. (laughs) So you've got. Just a small town, and, and rumors are flying. When you hear about this kind of thing happening all the time, I mean, for people like Chrissy and I, we hear about it happening all the time because this is just right up our alley. Yeah. And it, it just it makes me sick. Yep, it does. It does. So, you know, the part of the indecent exposure um, charges, you know, they were also linked back to the pictures that Tammy sent Heather that night. So she had, and Tammy... Oh, yeah. I mean, she and her husband went all around Myrtle Beach having sex. And that's where she Send these pictures, you know, to Heather. Um, So, of course, you know, these charges, unfortunately, were later dropped. But the obstruction of justice charge, that links back to Sydney lying about Heather, you know, calling Heather from the payphone. Mm -hmm. So that one's pretty stand up. Tammy is charged because Tammy was in the truck at the time of the call. Um, and remember, law enforcement believes the night of Tammy and Sydney's sexual exploits all around Myrtle Beach is, you know, when they planned the abduction. So on February 24th, the police announced that evidence found on the Mora property points to the couple having killed Heather. And so the couple is charged with murder and separated from the general population for their safety. Among the items that were taken during the search warrant was a video timestamp December 23rd of Tammy and Sydney vigorously cleaning days after Heather's disappearance. In the video, you can actually see Tammy manically cleaning the passenger side of the F-150. So I guess these recordings were out there there forever. So like they shot themselves in the foot. Oh, absolutely. I have a camera. Right. But... You know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna erase that right? shit, right? <laughs> oh my god. So in, in the video, you can see, like I said, Tammy cleaning. At the yeah. same time, Tammy is cleaning the truck. Sydney is starting a burn pile and burns the towels used to clean the truck. Unfortunately, while the police do search Sydney's truck, you know, because they took it in, they impounded mm-hmm. it. They did not move forward with any DNA testing since the Moore's truck was cleaned um there was like it would have been fruitless to like go in and search for any dna evidence because they i mean they cleaned the crap out of it so they just felt like it was going to be futile so they didn't even bother to to get it i'm just gonna say agree i'm not saying it's not a mistake sock yeah huge mistake i feel like you could still you know i don't know the door jam do you know how many something how many episodes of pick something forensic uh, pick 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 anything CSI. Pick something. <laughs> where SB. where something has been sold. Right. 
and 12, 13, 15, whatever, two years later, they, they still even though it's get been clean, they, DNA. they did yep. a really good search I, and they were able to find I DNA. don't disagree with you. Oh, I don't disagree man. with you. What's interesting, though, about the video is that during the trial, the prosecution had expert testimony examine the DVR, removed that from the surveillance system, and found that the time on the DVR had actually been changed two times. So they had, like, changed it. They had manipulated their own. Oh, yeah, changed it again. Absolutely, yes. So the video of Tammy and Sydney cleaning was actually made on December 22nd, which is four days after Heather's disappearance and two weeks before police actually confiscate, you know, yeah. the Moore's truck. What's even more interesting is that the truck's GPS system was dis was disabled on December the 18th, shortly after midnight. Hmm. So what they did was take out the SD card out of the GPS system. And if that doesn't say I'm guilty, I don't know what does. The police also observed a shotgun shell, cement mix, and cleaners as well as a tarp on the property. So this is like, you know, just takes me back to the landing when you and I had had a conversation about what what do we think mm -hmm. happened to her. And, you know, I know you, you guys have heard us say there really is one, one, there's two ways in and out of this landing. And mm -hmm. it is by boat yeah. or it is. On, on a car, right? Yeah. But, and I'm excluding helicopters. We're just not going. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, it's not even big enough for it's, a helicopter to land there. <laughs> it's tiny. And so, yeah. so I don't like when you bring in a shotgun, I completely see what can happen. But mm -hmm. from, a, from the cement perspective, right? I mean, now my mind goes to okay, is there a cement block at the bottom of that? winding little river you know right well i mean keep in mind they did the divers did go in in the waterway um and didn't find anything so they did search but you know that's not to say that she wasn't dumped somewhere else you know there could have been some right yeah you know I it's all know. marsh yeah, it's, it's all marsh. So, so, I mean, that's a good point, too, though. I mean, marsh, it's not very deep. So I don't know that the cement plays into, you know, the theories of how she disappeared, unless cement was put over her body. Yeah. Somewhere. So, you know, that is absolutely sure they an option. These, these guys clearly yeah. were just on top of it. I'm sure they did a thorough investigation. On yeah, that. yeah. Right. Wink, wink. <laughs> On March 14th, the Moors go to court for a bond hearing, and after you know presentation of evidence and testimony, both Sydney and Tammy were denied bond. So that was good. I know the Elvis family was probably, you know, super happy about that. Yeah. Then on March 21st, the judge, Stephen John, issues a gag order restricting what information can be given by those involved with the case about Tammy and Sydney. So gag orders are usually put in place if the judge feels that allowing the public to get information about the case would provide a clear and present danger to the ability to have a fair trial. So gag orders were put in place for this particular um, situation to help ensure that Tammy and Sydney, you know, got a fair shape because they're in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Most everybody has either helped look for Heather or knows, you know, about Heather. 
So it, it doesn't surprise me to find out later that the defense team for Tammy, though, <laughs> was accused of violating that gag order just because she has got a giant mouth. Yeah. Complete BS. And but, she's blasting shit on Facebook. But you said her defense team. Yes, including, yeah, so her. So that include hers? That includes her as well? Okay, got yeah. it. Her family, herself. Anybody? Yes, absolutely. So shortly thereafter, Tammy's father, William Kaysen, passes away. And I bring that up only because I do feel like, you know, he was a, a huge supporter of Tammy. And not that you, as a father, would not support your daughter. But he's the one that raised the stick and wanted to beat that lady's he head in for just coming near the property to mm -hmm. look for Heather. So mm -hmm. he's he's a little bit of a wild card. And he was arrested for assault, remember, right, in yeah. last episode. He, and now he's gone. And now he's, exactly. So whatever secrets and information he has, he's taken with him. Yeah. I feel very strongly that he has some knowledge of, you I know, what happened that. to Heather. In June of 2014, Tammy and Sydney are both served warrants for allegedly misrepresenting their income to qualify for substantial Medicaid benefits for their family. Shocker. Right. So on top of, you know, their their charges of, you know, all this other good stuff um, to do with Heather, they're stealing from the government. They were both charged with obtaining signature of or property under false pretenses and false statement for application for Medicaid assistance. They didn't disclose to Medicaid the true household and financial status between January 2007 and March 2013. So like all these little trips to uh, Disney yeah. and whatever, I was yeah. like, oh, I broke my arm. Um, I'm going to have to go <laughs> get that fixed are now under question yeah. because they're thieves. So, and there's nothing more that I hate than a Fucking thief. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. Don't God, I hate me. a thief. So on December 31st, 2014, the court scheduled a date of May 11th for the murder of Heather Elvis and summons 880 jurors. A bond reconsideration hearing is scheduled for Sydney and Tammy to take place on January 30th. So they've both been charged with murder and they are scheduling the joint uh, date for right. May 11th. The judge sets bond for Tammy and Sydney at $100,000 each for all charges related to the Heather Elvis case. He requires that they both wear a GPS monitoring device, stay outside a five mile radius of the Elvis house and have no contact whatsoever with the Elvis family. Tammy post bond that same day and Sydney post bond on February 2nd 2015. Now, both of these folks are out on bond. They say they can't work in Myrtle Beach because of the stigma of the case, and they've requested to go to Florida and look for work. And because maybe they had a little bit of luck in reserve, uh, the murder trial is also delayed indefinitely. Hmm. So it sounds like, the, you know, at this point, prosecution may just maybe not have enough information yeah. to pursue, pursue a murder case. Um, even though they've been charged. So, oh, okay. So the judge act actually allows them to go and move to Florida so Sydney can provide for his family. So I, I have an issue with that too. Personally. I agree. I get it. Nobody cares. But um, you 
are accused of murder. Are accused of murder. You kidnapping. Have been obstruction of justice. Have been arrested and now cheating the government. Yeah, you're now out <laughs> right. on bond, right? Yeah, we're gonna let you go to Florida. We'll just send all the all and the shit to Florida, which geez. that may explain a lot of things for the state of Florida. Hey, 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 right. I yeah. love. I mean, I love Florida, it's but my home state. I know. <laughs> just saying. But anyway, there's a lot of crazy shit that goes on on there, right? I just, I don't understand the, the, the county, right? Horry County? Horry County. Horry, not Horry. Right. I, I yeah. was corrected by some friends on Facebook, like, no, Carrie, you're wrong. Dumbass, it's not Horry. <laughs> I got told it. you it was Hey, got Horry. it. That's Tim. <laughs> but what the hell? Yep. Here's your free ticket. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe some good luck in reserve. I don't freaking know, but it's, it's pathetic. If they all had passports, they probably could have hopped on a plane to yeah, yeah, right. or something. So on March 10th, 2016, the murder and indecent exposure exposure charges against both Sydney and Tammy are dropped. Kidnapping charges against both the Moors remain pending. Tammy Moore's charge of obstruction of justice is also dropped, but Sydney's remains. The actual trial for obstruction of justice and kidnapping is rescheduled for Sydney June 20th with Kirk Truslow representing Sydney and Nancy Livesay as a solicitor for the state. Meanwhile, these two dumbasses, even though they are bound by a gag order, continue to defy the order and Tammy actually uses Heather's picture as a profile pic on her Facebook page. Like, look at me, I'm a dumbass. So I, I like I question the brain cells in this lady. Like a part of me is sitting here. Like if if, if we had a video camera camera watching you know recording us now, people would really be able to tell. Like we're just like this reading each other's like, like we're reading fuck? each other's minds. Like what? <laughs> oh God. So in addition, Sydney speaks to a local media outlet two days. <laughs> oh no, this is Sydney. Does. This is Sydney. Oh, of course he does. S- yeah, this is Sydney. He speaks to a local media outlet two days into the trial and of course breaks the gag order and is later sentenced to five months in jail for breaking it. Let me guess who was behind that. I got no clue. I was like, well, I mean, so he goes and talks to a reporter. Oh, you know, I feel so bad about Heather. I wish we knew where she was, but I am guilt. I am not guilty. I am 100% innocent. I had nothing to do with it. I just, all of these things coincidentally fell into place. Stupid. So the trial lasts a total of, and this is the obstruction of justice and kidnapping trial, lasts a total of four days for Sydney, with the state presenting testimony about the affair and timeline leading up to Heather's disappearance at the boat landing. The defense argued that all the evidence is circumstantial and that there is actually no proof that it was Moore's truck seen on the surveillance cameras going to and from the boat landing. Unfortunately for Heather's family, this trial ends in a hung jury. So you had 10 for guilty and two for not guilty. Imagine all the emotion that family went through. I don't know. What I find interesting about this, and this is just like a side, is that there was actually on the jury a um, friend of Kirk Truslow, which is the attorney for Sydney. He was on the jury. So how? Oh. And so it was petitioned for them, like to him to get off the jury. Like, heck no, get off. Prosecution was like, no, sorry, shouldn't be on there. But the guy was like, oh, no, no, no. 
I, I can be um, totally objective, so let me stay on. Well, they let him stay on, and now you got two people saying not guilty. Was he one of them? Of course he was. So, you know, and I, I that's just in my head. I, I just, I don't know if that's the case. don't want to accuse the guy of any wrongdoing, I'll, but. I will. But <laughs> I'll leave that to you, yes. just like you said. <laughs> I digress. Well, then, on August 30th, 2017, they retry Sydney on the obstruction of justice charges for impeding the investigation into Heather's disappearance. And now, if you remember, guys, this is just because he said, oh, no, I didn't call Heather on the payphone at all. I, uh, oh, yeah, no, wait, I did. I I think I remember. Yeah, Yeah. no, I walked across the street, picked up the payphone, and was like, hey, 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 uh, leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Great. That was four minutes and 53 seconds long. Click. And then hangs up and walks back. So he is actually found guilty. Hurrah. And sentenced to 10 years at the Lee Correctional Institute, which by the way, is one of the shittiest jails in the United States. It is horrible. There was like a, uh, a massive riot and it was the most violent riot in 25 years. Um, and I think of the, in, in the entire state, maybe in the entire country, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it's a horrible jail. So, but afterwards, Sydney and his family later accused his lawyer, Kirk Truslow, of conspiring with the state and the attorney request to be relieved from counsel. So he's like, oh, um, I had to go to jail now because I actually obstructed justice. A, a court of law found me, right, I'm being punished, but, and now I feel like it's, it's, you know, my lawyer's fault. Yeah. And so anyway, um, the relationship had deteriorated and, um, Kirk actually asked for, um, the court to relieve him of his pro bono duties, which, I mean, I don't blame him at all. I wouldn't want to be around that douche rocket anyway. In the meantime, we still have the kidnapping trial, and it's still pending. Right. Tammy's trial was set, and this is for kidnapping and obstruction of justice. I'm sorry, not obstruction of justice. It's kidnapping and conspiracy to kidnap. It was set for October 8th, 2018, and it lasted a full 11 days. And guys, I got to tell you, I watched this trial from beginning to end. It was, I watched it while I was at work in between meetings because I could not freaking get enough of it. It it was the craziest thing. One of the craziest trials I've ever seen. So Greg McCullum was the lead defense attorney for Tammy while Nancy Livesave was the uh, lead prosecutor. And let me tell you guys, she is da bomb. She is so awesome. And she is just cutthroat. I love her. I think she is awesome. At the start of the trial, Tammy can be seen crying at the defense table. She's so she's already upset. And I, I personally, I think it's, it's, it's an act. It's an act. But yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm sure lawyers were probably like, you know, you've got to act remorseful, do something. So she's going to look like Miss Piggy because I swear to God, this lady looks like Miss Piggy and just bawling her no eyes offense, out. No offense, Miss Piggy. <laughs> Please don't come at me. <laughs> anyway, I think... Because Sydney's trial ended in a hung jury that first time, the prosecution wanted to make sure they came out swinging. 
So during the second week of the trial, prosecution puts police investigator Will Lynch on the stand to read aloud text messages and phone conversations between Tammy. So I'm not going to like go through the whole trial because a lot of this is just witnesses coming up saying, yes, yeah. yeah, Heather was pregnant or looked pregnant. You know, you had police saying, yes, I found the car at the landing. But some of this I have to repeat because, oh, my God, it is fantastic. So Will Lynch gets up on the stand, starts reading text messages. The detective went on to say, like, some serious, salacious texts between Tammy and this teenage boy named Caleb from Sydney's phone. So this is while she's got Sydney's phone. And I guess she just didn't want it to be on her phone. I, I don't know. I got no clue. But she wants to get back at Sydney. It's part of her revenge. So she starts talking to this Caleb dude. So in one text, she wrote, I want you, Caleb. You don't even know. I want to fuck the hell out of you. So while the defense attorney is like freaking out. And he's like, he's saying, quote, these are the most blush worthy language I've ever experienced, end quote. Counsel, the counsel said that the message between Tammy and Caleb were irrelevant to the case. Yeah. So the defense attorneys objected several times during the testimony and argued the reading of the messages and basically went towards her character, which was not even introduced as evidence. And it wasn't a crime. And they actually petitioned for a mistrial. So like the judge did chastise, you know, the, the prosecution was like, you know, come on, we don't need to hear about the sexual exploitation between Caleb and Tammy, but he denied the mistrial and, and said, you know, let's move onward and upward. So the state then called Donald DeMarino to the stand and he is actually Tammy's cousin. He said he went to the Moore's house for a cookout after Heather went missing and saw a photo of her. In the photo, he said it did not appear that Heather could walk or talk. Mm. He went on to say that the photo was taken for Tammy and that he did not expect to see Heather Elvis again after viewing the photo. The picture was so upsetting to him, it caused him to leave the residence. And he had originally told a police investigator about the photo when he was in jail on drug and robbery charges. But he said that it was, you know, sent to him or Sydney, and it was only he and Sydney that were present and no one else around. But because of his background, they tended to say, eh, he's probably looking for some kind of deal, and we don't really believe him. Well, we, but I can tell you watching his testimony, yeah. I felt like he was very believable. He was super upset. I mean, well, we, we sure haven't seen Heather. Exactly. So. Right. So of course, you know, the defense attorney, um, wanted to press DeMarino on his background and lies. Yeah. Um, one of the defense, you know, claimed was DeMarino lied from the witness stand on Wednesday because he was saying he never, you know, he never told his mother a lie, which he's like. Which, if you if you think about it, it's like it's a little cheesy. But are you okay? Because I feel like you that just hurts. yeah, that hurts. Just gonna... Carrie just like whacked her elbow on the on the desk. I'm just gonna power through the pain. <laughs> keep going. Let's keep moving. So the defense played a jail phone call between Demirno and his mother. 
And so this is why they're saying he didn't tell, you know, mm -hmm. he didn't lie to his mother. In the call, Demirno told his mom there wasn't a photo. It was a statement Demirno claimed there, you know, that was a lie. And he told the lie because he didn't want to stress out his mom. I'm sorry. I'm in jail and you're not stressed out all, enough already. Right. But come on. I know, but he, I mean, think about these people who are related to Tammy. So it, I don't know. It's her cousin. Say, he doesn't want to stress out. All are recorded. <laughs> well, and that's what happened. So the, the defense attorney is like, yeah, you lied to your mom. So you're probably lying on the stand. He's like, no, no, I lied to my mom because I didn't want to stress her out. I did see the photo. Heather couldn't walk. She couldn't talk. And so, yeah, I mean, I got upset and I left. So anyway, uh, it, it was evident, though, that this yeah. information was not like brought to light during Sydney's trial. Um, and then the prosecution then wrapped up their case after Demirino testified. Then it was the defense's turn. So when they go to call the witnesses, they start to call Tammy's sister, Ashley Kaysen. But before anyone could take the stand, the prosecution raised concerns if any of the defense's witnesses had violated the sequestrian rule. Because at the beginning of the trial, anybody who was a witness had to go into this, you know, sequestrian, you know, box, like yeah. this room. And there was a cop there. They weren't allowed to talk, mingle, look at the trial, you know, any articles, or actually watch it live. So, how much you want to bet it happened next? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So, Horry County Sheriff's Deputy Jade Pike took the stand, testifying that she saw several witnesses in the room watching the live stream of the trial on a laptop. And this is Tammy's peeps, guys. Is Tammy's family? No, it's not. It is Tammy's no, it's family not. watching the freaking <laughs> trial. She also stated she confiscated Dreamer. several cell phones because you can't have cell phones in there either. You're you are sequestered. Do they understand what the definition of sequester yeah, is? Clearly not. So Tammy's son Christian took the stand and said he didn't watch the live stream, but. The judge didn't give a shit and denied five of the defense witnesses. That's Tammy's three children, her mother, and another witness. So they were none of those folks were allowed to testify, which I I would imagine caused some some issues for the defense, seeing that she probably didn't have any men, any witnesses all anyway. She had. So God, right? So Ashley did get to go. Um, and testify because apparently she was not there during the you know, live stream and watch and she didn't watch any of it but she backed up her sister and her account of what happened the, the night of december 17th and into the morning of the 18th she said the kids stayed with her and remember they live in like a compound so they live like right behind <laughs> each other until like, like, <laughs> i mean they are it's i mean like, i can from an aerial view yeah i mean it's <laughs> Dude, it's a compound. I don't care what you say. <laughs> but they were there until 3 a.m. in the morning of December 18th. Tammy texted her, her sister, when she got home, which was around 3.10, and said she was home. And the kids walked back over to the house. She also said that Tammy didn't handcuff Sydney to the bed, even though her transcript from an interview said otherwise. So she just flat out lied. Yeah, she just, okay. How she did not, like how she had perjured herself, I don't even know. But she was like, no, I didn't say that. Anyway, 
Personally, I, I didn't believe anything Ashley said. She does not come off as believable. She had a flippant attitude the entire like time she was on the stand. And she was just rude, downright rude. Like she had an attitude and she was entitled. So I just I just don't think she did herself any favors. Yeah. Now, unlike Sydney, Tammy decided to take the stand in her own defense and was actually pissed at Sydney for not having taken the stand in his own defense. And, and was like, you know, he just didn't want to stand up for himself. And I'm like, well, maybe, just maybe, yeah. he had a little bit of sliver <laughs> of a brain. Anyway, I personally think that, that, you know, that just kind of proves how narcissistic she really is. But she took the stand, and I can tell you guys, it did not go well for her at all. Right when she gets on the stand, she denies straight off the bat that she's, you know, in love with Sydney. She's estranged from Sydney, and that she is not aware, nor does she remember, if Sydney made a call from the payphone that night. Okay. Says, I don't, uh-uh, Sydney denies that. Completely denies it. And she said he still denies that to this day, which is funny because he admitted it yeah. to the police. And need I remind you guys, they were together with each other the entire night until 3 a.m. And so coupled with the fact that he admitted it, somebody's flipping lying. I'm going to, you know, I, I, I believe him. He said he went to the payphone. Yeah. He also said, yeah, my wife was in the car. And... If I I have to point this out, they were at Walmart at 1.12 a.m. Right. Yeah, that's right. Then they go to the payphone. So there's like only a few minutes in between them going to the payphone and Walmart. And so I knew there's... damn well they didn't go all the way back home, drop her off, come all the way back. That would not have made sense. Well, I'm assuming there's video in Walmart, right? Well, he's the only one that went into Walmart. Oh, she waited in the car. Yeah, she waited in the car. But she said, I was with him the entire night. Yeah, no, I, she, I just, we, we know she was with him. I mean, just caught in lies, but bold-faced standing in. This is prideful to a fault. Agreed. I'd love Narcissistic. to know she was born. <laughs> I, I Anyway, so I say she's, yeah, basically just a lying sack of shit. Yeah. Anyway, maybe I'm missing something somewhere, but I, I, I felt like, you know, her blatant straightforward no 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 when t or when uh nancy had the transcripts of even sydney's statements right were just coming and they were i mean might as well slapped her in the face and she was just like I, no so again i i don't know how this doesn't play out in perjury but I, you know i'm not a lawyer um she does admit, though, that she went to Walmart, so... Well, there's something. Yeah. And that he bought the pregnancy test. But, guys, it was for her. It was totally for her. So, remember when I said, you know, it, it, it the cigar yeah. buying, you know, gives tre- credence to Tammy's statement. The only reason I could see him buying a cigar was if it was actually intended for her. Because, hey, maybe she was pregnant. Yeah. But it is seems rather strange and all very circumstantial. So um, she did say that she took the pregnancy test and it, you know, surprise, said she was not pregnant. Thank God. Right. But that they were actually, she and Sydney were actively trying to get pregnant between the dates of November and when she was arrested. 
The whole time she's on the stand, while her attorney is questioning her, she plays up that she's, you know, just a victim of circumstance, of course, and that, oh, poor, woe is me, she suffered a miscarriage while in jail, and she wasn't able to attend her father's funeral. So, wait, 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 I got nothing for her. She later goes on to say that all the text messages that she sent to Heather were actually to a, quote, um, mystery person. I, and I'm sorry, I, this mystery person, I, I'm not sure who she thinks it is, but she said this mystery person who was having an affair with her husband and that she actually spoke to Heather on November 2nd. And Heather admitted everything to her, and they were actually on decent terms. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they were like, oh, yeah, come on over. Come on over. Come look at the at the surveillance cameras I've got set up, the handcuffs I've got tied to the bed. I, I, I don't know. I got nothing. So I, I, I definitely call him BS. But Heather uh, was actually terrified of Tammy, so I can't see. She's a scary woman. Yeah, but I, so I can't see them being on decent terms at all. She then goes on to say Tammy, um, I'm sorry, Tammy goes on to say that she had actually walked in the room while Sydney was on the phone that night at 3.16 when Heather had called. And she, she didn't realize at all that that was Heather because Heather had not contacted them since. November 15th, 2013. So she said she was just super surprised about the whole thing I'm and sure that she that had walked in on it. Right. Exactly. So I, again, don't believe her one bit period, because again, your husband was at the flipping payphone calling her. Yeah. I, and, and who knows you had his phone. I feel certain you knew that was her. And I, I just, yeah, it's all such BS. It's a cat back into a corner trying to come up with whatever crap she can spin. Right. Whatever to, noodles, makes her wet noodles stick to the wall. Let's see. You know, yeah, like she's not guilty of any of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I agree. I think it's the furthest you can be from the truth. Agreed. When the prosecution gets a hold of Tammy, I mean, that's when the real shit hits the fan. And I, I tell you, I told you, Nancy Livesay is fantastic. When she walks to the podium, she asks Tammy if she knows who she is, to which Tammy replies, I do. Nancy Lifesay, you've made my life miserable. Am I allowed to ask you a question? Just getting started, dear. Right. Well, the fact that she asked, asked Nancy if she could ask her a question. I mean, I sit down, imagine you're the lawyer and you say, hey, do you know who I am? Why, yes, you are Carrie Simmons. And... I'm, I, you've made my life miserable. Now, can I ask you a question? No, bitch. You may not say anything. You are in the podium or in the box. Shut your mouth. Right. So, of course, the judge says, no, ma'am, you you, you can't. I, I, I don't know who she thinks she is personally. But anyway, I, I maybe she thought she could just level with the prosecution or something and walk out there, you know, walk out thinking everything's hunky-dory and ever Nancy's like oh oh okay yeah you know I completely understand your perspective I got I got nothing so it work it, oh god yeah so as as Nancy starts to ask questions about Tammy's communication with Heather via text Tammy denies everything and says that it's Sydney 
that is te texting Heather the nasty comments and that she never said anything. I mean, I guess technically that would be very difficult to prove, right? Right. But well, yeah, you we can't. don't agree it. Uh, no, I, agree I don't. With it at all. No. She goes on to say that Sydney and Heather's oral relationship began back in September of 2013, which I'm sorry. I com I bet it was oral. I find it completely <laughs> hilarious. Well, but what's funny is Nancy's like, oh, no, 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 no. They had sex. And she's like, no, no, that's that. They didn't have sex. And Nancy's like, no, 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 they did. They absolutely did. And that's when Tammy's like, oh, no, but that's not what Sydney told me. Are, are you effing kidding me? It's an oral relationship. Right. I find it hilarious that she pointed that out. Yeah. But I, I, I find it equally freaking awesome that Nancy's like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. They had sex, dude. <laughs> so the best part of the trial um, was when Tammy asked, I'm sorry, Nancy asked Tammy about a conversation between Tammy and her sister, Ashley Kaysen. Ashley was at Broadway at the beach on November 11th, and Tammy asked Ashley to take a pic for me. And that's in quotes, quote, take a pic for me, end quote. Now, remember, Tilted Kilt is at Broadway at the beach. So, you know, while Ashley's there, Tammy's like, take the picture. Right. And Ashley replies, quote, she wasn't there, end quote, to which Tammy replies, quote, I think the bitch is in hiding, end quote. Nancy asked Tammy if that's what she said, and Tammy says, quote, if it's on there, end quote, but doesn't actually, like, admit to, you know, yeah. saying, yes, ma'am, But she doesn't did. really deny it either. Right, exactly. Nancy goes on to ask Tammy how many times she had gone up to the tilted kilt to believe that Heather was actually in hiding. But of course, you know, Tammy says never. I've never gone up there. Nancy then asks, what makes you think then that the bitch is in <laughs> hiding? And Tammy replies, quote, I guess I was just being a jerk at the time, Nancy, end quote. Well, I'm sorry. If y'all don't know what just happened, I, I'm going to break it down for you because you don't call out the prosecutor as in, I don't know, Nancy. Like, who in the fuck do you think you are? Nancy justifiably kicks Tammy down a notch and says, quote, have we ever met outside of this courtroom, end quote, to which Tammy says, quote, I don't. No, I don't, I don't think so, end quote. Nancy says, quote, okay, I just wanted to make sure when we got on a first name basis, end quote. Well, she had to cover her ass there. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. Oh, that's perfect. Fantastic. And I know I'm not doing that clip justice, but I swear to God, y'all, when I heard that, I freaking laughed my ass off because I thought this bitch actually thinks that she can be on the level of Nancy. Yeah. She's it's a, just, it's insane. Yeah. She's a, yeah. So at one point, Nancy asked her, um, super inflated sense of self. -worth. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I, yeah. I mean, the rest of her testimony was just basically deny, deny, deny. At one point when Nancy asked her to confirm that Heather and Sydney were actually having, you know, intercourse, Tammy says, quote, that's correct. He was eating vagina, end quote. Yeah, that's where, do you recognize his face now? 
Who's does that? Who says that on the stand? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It was just, oh my God, it cracks me up. Anyway, so needless to say, Tammy's behavior on the stand was just absolutely over the top and ridiculous. It didn't help her at all. And on October 23rd, after a little more than three hours of deliberation, Tammy was found guilty of conspiracy to commit kidnapping and kidnapping and the disappearance of Heather Elvis. And sentenced to 30 years for each count. Oh, wow. And they're both run concurrently. So what that means, for those of you who don't know, it's not like she's getting a total of 60 years. Unfortunately, kidnapping starts you know, day one on the 23rd, and then the conspiracy to kidnap is starts on day one on the 23rd, and that just runs for 30 years. So during her time to speak on her behalf, she basically said her lawyer sucked and that they didn't do anything for her and that she wasn't guilty and that she hopes they find who did it um, because they're basically sending a, an innocent person to jail. And she flat out tells the court, that she is Heather's biggest advocate, which I wanted to gag. Now her home is the Leith Correctional Institution in Greenwood, South Carolina. And I don't know much about that prison. I can imagine it's probably pretty shitty. It's in Greenwood. No offense to anybody who lives in Greenwood. I'm just saying there's not a whole lot around that area. Well, I'm just going to go out here and say I'm pretty sure all correctional institutes are not five-star hotels. Could be wrong. <laughs> Like I, I prefer, you know, my, my humble little home. Your humble home, yeah. <laughs> With your GPS no thank tracker you to on the your correctional ankle. institution okay. anywhere. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So Sydney's retrial began on September 9th, 2019, and it lasted about nine days. Much of the same evidence was presented during Sydney's trial as, you know, was in Tammy's. Unfortunately, from an entertainment perspective, Sydney's trial was oh, wow. not as exciting. So I'm, yeah, I got no like crazy comments uh, for this one. But he sat at the table with his new defense attorneys, T. Jarrett Bouchette and James Galmore, who tried to emphasize that the state didn't present any real witnesses that knew firsthand that Heather was pregnant and pointed to Stephen Chiraldi and Jerry Stevens, who Heather apparently dated a while after. Uh, Stephen and, and Sydney as right. possible as suspects. Trying to say, hey, if she was pregnant. Well, yeah, y'all didn't look at these two people. Right. Exactly. Well, right. they didn't kill her either. Sydney. Well, and I, I wanted to say, you know, she didn't have sex with them. You know, the only person that she had gone oh, out she was. she didn't have sex with them. She didn't go. Yeah, she didn't have sex with Stephen Chiraldi. And this Jerry Stevens, I don't know where he appeared. He just kind of like appeared out of blue. I think it was just like. Random defense, person they... Like he was like an ex-boyfriend from a long time ago. Oh, jeez. So Sidney did not take the stain in his own defense, so probably because he had a little bit of a brain, um, and left it to his defense team to argue the case for him. It was, you know, very uneventful trial, and honestly, I think because Tammy was convicted, Sidney just didn't stand a chance. And and honestly, I kind of felt like he knew it. it he knew it was coming. Sure he knew he the hammer was coming down, and the axe was going to get him. On September 18th, about two hours of after about two hours of deliberation, Sydney was found guilty of conspiracy to kidnap and, kidna and kidnapping Heather Elvis, and was also sentenced to 30 years, and each charge um, was to run concurrently. 
So Sydney's home now is at Lee Correctional Institution in Bishopville, which I told you is one of the worst prisons in the country. So if I was Sydney, clearly I'm not, right? But if I was Sydney and I was married to Tammy and I was, I, I imagine the level of anxiety this man had living with her is probably oh, lessened high. now that he's oh. in Lee Correctional Institute, right? Yeah. But if, if I was knew that I was going on trial after mm-hmm. Tammy, and she got 30 years, which I'm, you know, he knew. Yep. Why didn't he make a deal? You know, and that, and that is like, hey, the you, million dollar you guys question. Were, I got it yep. all for you. Yep. And, and whatever, start, you start hammering well, down those, those years. So I, you know, in my personal opinion, That's what I would have done. Yeah. My personal opinion about this and, and my theory on this case is remember they withdrew $5,000. They mm-hmm. can never account where that $5,000 was given to anyone or why they pulled it out. They just, yeah, we pulled out $5,000 for bills and whatnot. I'm sorry, but you know, I'd be pulling up receipts left and right. I pay for this, 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 yeah, and but this. at this point, but they did it. And so my, my thought here is this may have been kind of a spur of the moment situation of where, you know, they knew some shady ass people mm. and it was the night of, you know, December the 17th, early the morning of December 18th, where, you know, Heather just keeps coming up and Tammy and, and maybe Sydney's like, look, would it make you feel better if this bitch is gone? Would it make you feel better? And Tammy's right. saying, yeah, okay, well, guess what? I'm pulling out five grand. And we're going to kill her. And we are, I know XYZ person and bam, how do we know that that's not the case? And, and the reason these people aren't giving a, all right, here's what happened. Here's the deal. I'm going to fuss up is because whoever they gave this $5,000 to could hurt the family, hurt their children. Yeah. You just don't, you don't know. And that's, that's my own personal opinion. It's the only reason I could think of actually. Yeah. Right. I, I just don't know of any other reason why Sydney would not sell his wife down a fucking river and be like, Hey, this bitch did it. She was the mastermind. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand that. So the whole kicker in this is that we just still don't know where Heather's body is. And Tammy and, you know, Sydney aren't speaking up. There's actual, um, actually a statute that states, if an inmate helps an investigation within the first year of being incarcerate, incarcerated, excuse me, they can apply for what's called a downward departure to try and shave time off their sentence. Tammy's, you know, ability to do that was up in October of 2019, and Sydney's was up in September of 2020. I, so they they no yeah, longer have that ability done. to say, oh hey, um, let me give you a little bit more information. Even if, like, hey, I I can't tell you who killed her, right? But I can tell you she's dead, right? Something. I mean, just something. I think the family of Heather Elvis yeah. needs something. I agree. And I, this is, they just want closure. Like I'm hopeful Mm -hmm. on like all the other cases that I've ever heard where there's something that Mm -hmm. the unsolved mysteries, Mm -hmm. I just feel like this is the family that's never going to get closure. Right. It's super sad. And it gives me chills, you know, to say that, you you know, you just go to bed every night, not knowing where your child is. And that's got to be so heart wrenching. Yeah. And, but still, Thinking probably mostly that something mm-hmm. terrible has happened, but then always having hope, which right is a is, killer. Is oh yeah, oh, God. Oh yeah. Well, oh. if we don't have hope, 
we have nothing. Yeah. You know? So one would think that these two would now just live out the rest of their terms and go away. But nah. They are now planning a civil lawsuit soon in federal court. Their new attorney, Eric Poston, or AKA Ducati James, mm -hmm. is not only a lawyer for Chambler's, I think it's Chambler's. Yeah, I was gonna say they're Cham or Chambler. Chambler's, yeah, Poston Law Firm in South Carolina. It's in, actually Charleston. But he's also a rapper. Yeah. And you guys, this is a fabulous song. Yeah, he he actually released a rap video about Sydney's innocence. Uh, the rap song is titled, in quotations, "Innocent." Real real generic there, but um, in parentheses, Sydney Moore. And uh, I'm telling you, guys, if if you have nothing better to do with your day, you know, I I suggest you go to YouTube, put in Ducati James, and uh. The uh, song "Innocent" will pop up. It's it's fantastic. What a shit stain. It is. A, yeah, he oh is a God. shit stain. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to get sued because I I totally played the song for you, but I you know we really no. don't want to be sued. No, so we, we will we'll put the link out there for it. you guys. Yeah, we'll put the link out there. But um, it's it's fabulous and you know it it's it's comical. It is. is. It's embarrassing. Like it's. I think the first 10 seconds, I was like, oh, my God, just just turn it off. I can't. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like I hired you as an attorney, and now you're like the laughing stock of, of all attorneys because you're also a well, rapper. Tammy and Sydney <laughs> were already made this No, that's weird. It's like tragedy. a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, a circus. Yeah. yeah. And now we're just, just continuing to throw salt on the wound. Yeah, so, well. Yeah, if you get a chance... Oh, I, check him out. I I definitely say at least listen to it. Let he, let him give him some more. He's all kind of he's all insane. kind of ridiculousness. But um, in the video, you know, he just wants to condemn the investigation that was done on the case and says it's time for the truth to come out. We're still waiting. Yeah, we're we're, we're still we're, waiting we're for that waiting, to happen. Ducati. Yep. So once that once that civil suit comes out, oh my gosh, we we'll have a new episode. But um, at least about this subject. But yeah, I I just. Turned a tragedy into a circus by creating a rap song about a murderer, kidnapper's innocence. But anyway, so that is the end of this episode of, you know, where, the Boat Rant Mystery. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, you can check us out on our website at statusmacabre.com. Also on our Instagram. Yep, statusmacabre. And on our Twitter. Status Macabre. And Facebook. Status Macabre. Like, is there a theme? Do I have to say this every, every single time? Every time. And then, if you guys feel like sending us an email, because we'd love to hear from you, um, yes. you can email us at Status Macabre. At Status Macabre. I'm sorry, not at. It's Status Macabre at Status Macabre.com. I said Status Macabre too many times. Welcome to the party. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, we can't wait for you guys to tune in next week. We've got our super, super um, oh, yeah. spooky episode um, of, of us our in Key our West graveyard. In the Key it? West, yep, graveyard. It's, um, it's going to be super spooky. Yeah. Um, got we some serious macabre junk coming up on that episode. Can't wait to share it. Um, so uh, we might be able to release that one a little bit earlier. 
So you guys tune in. Um, we can't wait to hear from you guys and we'll yeah. see you next week. Yeah. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.